Hey, hey, everyone. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Hashtags and Habits. I'm your host, Danny White, and on this podcast, I talk about all things digital marketing, entrepreneurship, and personal development. In this episode, I am sharing an interview that I did with Tim Fitzgerald. Tim is the CEO of Rialto Marketing out of Colorado. Um, He invited me to be a guest on his podcast, where we talked about one of my favorite topics, content marketing. Um, We also talked about some of the reasons businesses struggle to create content, why consistency in content creation matters, what content scoring is and when it should happen in the content life cycle, and how ChatGPT is impacting the marketing industry as a whole. Speaking of ChatGPT, before we get into that episode, I want to remind you about my new book that's coming out July 31st, ChatGPT for Content Marketing Success. I've gotten a lot of questions about ChatGPT over the past couple of weeks through discovery calls and social media, and uh, people wanting to know how to use it, how to use it effectively in their content marketing initiatives. And I've also seen a ton of information online that isn't really quite accurate or well-researched. I've also seen a ton of courses, a ton of coaches um, putting out information, uh, ready to sell you something um, on something that was just released, hasn't been out for over a year yet. So I thought, why not? Why not I create a resource for business owners to use in crafting content efficiently and effectively using the tools that we have at our disposal? If you're interested, you can pre-order your copy today. The link will definitely be in the show notes, or you can go to my link um, in my bio on Instagram or Facebook and purchase your copy from there. Let's get into this episode. Content marketing is is nothing new, but how have things changed and what's working in content marketing in 2023? Our special guest today will share the secret sauce with content marketing in 2023. You do not want to miss this discussion. Hi, I am Tim Fitzpatrick with Rialto Marketing, where we believe Marketing shouldn't be difficult, and you must remove your revenue roadblocks to accelerate growth. Thank you so much for taking the time to tune in. I am really excited to have Danny White from DW Creative Consulting Agency with me today. Danny, welcome, and thanks for being here. Thank you so much, Tim. I am honored to be here. I'm excited to to dig into this. We're going to talk about a few things with content marketing that uh, I think a lot of people haven't thought about, not a lot of people are talking about. So, before we do that, though, I want to uh, help help us get to know you a little bit. I'm going to ask you some rapid fire questions. Are you ready to jump in? Yes, I'm ready okay. to jump in. When you're not working, how do you like to spend your time? I like to spend my time traveling and reading. Those are my two favorite things to do. So, uh, Reading anything in particular or just uh, all kinds of stuff? I, I read all kinds of books, but right now I'm reading a book on prayer and I'm reading a second book simultaneously that is on um, basically business strategies. Uh, my prayer, the prayer book is by Chris Hodges and the uh, business strategy book is by Myron Golden. I love it. So if your business strategy doesn't work, you can pray. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it takes both. <laughs> uh, I love it. Um, what's your hidden talent? 
My hidden talent, this is a, was a good question. Um, my hidden talent is that I can play the piano. Um, I played the piano uh, for six years as a kid and I'm starting to get back into piano playing as an adult. So that's my hidden talent. No, nobody knows that I can really play the piano except for the people that taught me. Uh, but I, I like music, so yeah. So you had a gap and you're-, you're, you're I had a very long gap, <laughs> very uh, long gap. Yeah. Uh, what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? The best piece of advice, gosh, I've been given a lot of good pieces of advice over the years, but I think the best one would probably be um, saying no is a complete sentence. And it's not just about, it's saying no to things that don't serve you, um, things that might not be in your zone of genius. And it opens the door and makes space for you to say yes to other opportunities that fit you best. So I think that's probably the best piece of advice that I continue to kind of try to apply to this day. Uh, um, so th this piece of advice is super appropriate for me because this morning I, um, when I was meditating, I use the call map if you're familiar with that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, he was talking about unsubscribing from the things that aren't serving you, you know, not just email lists that you're on, but all the other <laughs> things in our life that aren't there, serving us. Yeah. So. There's so many other things that like, it's like, okay, do you really have to be the person that does this? Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. What's one thing about you that surprises people? My age. <laughs> I'm in my early 30s and no one ever believes me. So, yeah, it's that's probably the biggest thing. Be thankful for that, right? Like right, I, exactly. I, gosh, <laughs> I, I remember when I when I first turned 21, I was like, "Oh, yeah, they're they're gosh, they're carding me again. They're carding me." <laughs> And now it's like, what, you're not going to card me? Like, just because I have gray hair? <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I still get carded to this day. So it's like, okay, I'm good with it. You have great genes. <laughs> uh, what does success mean to you? Oh, that's a good question. So success for me is being able to really fulfill like your my purpose in life, um, really knowing what that is and being able to use my gifts and talents and abilities not just to work and serve my clients, but also to serve my community, um, serve my family, serve the people around me. Where's your happy place? <laughs> my happy place is on a beach <laughs> all day, every day. <laughs> any, any, anywhere in particular or just any beach will do? I love all of the Caribbean islands, Jamaica, Belize, all of those places. I love any beach around Bahamas, any beach there would do. Cool. And you're in Texas, right? Yes, I am outside of Dallas, Texas. Okay, cool. So yep. going to the going to the Caribbean. There's no real beach around here. <laughs> no. Well, but going to the Caribbean for you, that's pretty pretty uh, not a bad flight, right? Not it's a pretty bad easy flight. To get there. No. Two and a half hours, maybe three hours at the most, and you're on an island. Yeah. Good for you. <laughs> what qualities do you value in the people you spend time with? Um, my, my family is very large. My friend circle is very small. And I think the qualities that I would value the most is loyalty, um, being honest, um, being able to serve each other and also being, being positive and being full with joy, like being able to laugh and, you know, have a good time. I like that. You know, I'm always telling my kids, you know, it's not the quantity of friends you have, it's the quality of friends you have. And <laughs> yeah. there are so many people that have all these friends, but dang, if like they had to drop things to just come be there for you, how many of those people would actually be would there? Actually you know? be there. Yeah. yeah. I always tell people like, okay, ask every so-called friend that you have, 
ask them for $5 and see how many $5 bills you get. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like, I, um, most, I have the friends I have, I can count on one hand. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, a handful. It's just a handful and yeah. they're your ride or die people. So yeah. But I know if they, if I asked them to be there, they would be there. Yep. And uh, gosh, one of them I've known since I was four and I'm wow. almost, and I'm almost 50. So that's uh, what you call a long-term friendship. Long time, long time. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah, I call them my brother from another mother. Yep. <laughs> I mean, they're that's what they are. They are like almost just, just as much as family. Like they probably are even stick closer to you than your family. So yeah, yeah. it's crazy. So uh, tell us a little bit more about what you're doing with DW Creative. Yes. So um, I I've been in the marketing digital marketing world for the last ten to twelve years. Um, I served in different capacities at different companies. Um, and I started my agency to really service small to mid-sized businesses in the web design and branding space. Um, that's primarily what we focus on. Um, and then the subset of that is obviously content marketing and social media marketing are big subsets of that. Um, and so we really want to help these small to mid-sized businesses gain visibility. And by gaining visibility, they are able to increase their revenue. Um, and that's, that's, our primary, that's our primary goal. I love it. So let's uh, let's dig into it. Let's talk content marketing, right? Um, I, so what are what are some of the reasons businesses should be producing more content, and why do they struggle with consistency? I, okay, so the reasons businesses should be producing more content: one, customers' demands have changed so much, right? They and they continue to change every day. Just the involvement of social media, the involvement of technology in general, um, being able to match your product or service to what customers need at that time. And I think a lot of times you're able to do that through content, because if you think about it, people are either always in their email or always scrolling on some social media platform or reading a blog or watching a video or something like that. Like, like they're always consuming content. Yeah. Why not it be content that you have created around information that your company is producing or product or service that your company is producing, right? Um, I think companies struggle a lot and a lot of small to mid-sized businesses struggle because they don't have a real strategy in place. Um, they think like, okay, we're going to wake up on Monday and we're just going to randomly write about, write a random blog post, right? And then they don't do it for the next six months. And they wonder why no one actually read that blog post because it's, it's a strategy around every piece of content that has to be put into place and it's the consistency, right? So yeah. let's say it's January and we're like, okay, everyone's pumped. It's the first of the year. And like, we're going to like produce all this content and it's in our heads and it might be on paper, but no one has actually assigned tasks to people to actually produce this content. Right. And the second struggle in, in organizations is they don't get everybody on board. And I, I have even walked through this struggle in my previous company before I, before I launched out and started my agency, getting the C-suite, getting your peers, getting people on board with the content that you're producing so that they share it and their audiences start engaging with the content. That's a very, that's a very big struggle for a lot yeah. of companies. So, yeah. so, isn't that so ironic too? Because it's like, gosh, you're investing in this content. Mm -hmm. Why aren't you communicating this to the rest of your team so that you can leverage all these people that work for you to help promote it where it makes sense. Right. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah. I, you know, 
strategy and planning are obviously near and dear to my heart as mm-hmm. somebody that's a, a marketing consultant and an outsourced or fractional CMO. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I always think of strategy like fuel and planning is the vehicles, the right? Vehicle, what you. vehicles yeah. are we going to use? Yeah. Too often with marketing, people select the vehicles before they figure out like, do we have fuel product. for these things? Exactly. Um and that's when you run into, and I'm sure you've heard this too, Danny. It's like, oh, well, we've done content marketing. It didn't work. Or we did SEO. It didn't work. Right. Ah, usually. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of times with marketing, the vehicles you choose um, are important, but mm-hmm. the sequence is the equally, is if not more important. Yeah. Right. And so they don't have a strategy. They don't have a plan. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes, um, let me throw spaghetti up against a wall and see what sticks, right? Um, you know, the other big roadblock I see too when people initially get into content marketing is, mm-hmm. what am I gonna, what am I gonna write about or talk about or you know do videos on? Um, which is so ironic to me because once you get into content production. Mm-hmm. There is no shortage. There's no shortage of ideas. <laughs> no, there's no. And I think I think a lot of times prior even to the strategy and the planning, it's really an understanding of like your audience. Do you understand the people that you're talking to? Do you understand what kind of life they're walking through? Do you understand where they're at in this their particular life? And where do they hang out online? And mm-hmm. so a lot of times when clients come to me, they're let's use social media, for example. They're like, OK. I want to do so. I want to do social media. What does doing social media mean in your world? <laughs> your clients, right? Where do your clients hang out? And so, before we even get to content strategy and content planning and creating content and videos and all of that, before we even get to any of that, we have to take a step back and go and ask that client, like, okay, let's do some market research. Let's do some audience development. Let's look at, okay, where does your particular client hang out, right? Are they moms? Are they hanging out in Facebook groups? Are they hanging out at on the soccer sidelines or wherever? Like whoever your audience is, you have to find out where they hang out and they don't hang out in a million places at once, right? And I think that's also goes part to the budget question of like, where do we spend money at when it comes to content marketing? And a lot of times that's also a like, let's just throw money at, at all these platforms and see what happens. Right. And in some ways it's experimentation, but in other ways it's just a waste of time and money because we don't want to sit back and like do the actual work that matters, which is the planning and the development work. That's the work that really matters. Well, and they're, they're wasting time and money because they're not fishing where the fish are. Exactly. Right. So (laughs) I, I love the fact that you're, it, again, it all goes back to strategy. And to Mm -hmm. me, Everything from a strategic standpoint with marketing starts with your target market and your ideal clients. You have to understand them mm-hmm. and what's important to them, right? You talk about where are they, right? I we we call this tool an ideal client GPS. Mm-hmm. So we, it's 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 a list, right? One of my mentors said success starts with a list. Well, where the hell are all these people? Let's spend the time to create an ideal client GPS. Mm-hmm. And when we do this, it depends on the client, but this could be 20, 30 pages of right. information in a Google doc. Mm-hmm. Uh, just where are your, where do your ideal clients hang out? Right. Um, so I love the fact that you brought that up because the other thing we also need to understand to create effective content is we need to understand the, the customer journey. What's that experience that they have yeah. 
from the minute they start to think about whatever Mm -hmm. you do all the way through buying and doing repeat and referral business, right? So you want to map the types of content or the, you know, the, the topics of the content that you're producing to various aspects of the journey. Do you know? Yeah. 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 And I think that because the customer journey is constantly changing, like the demands are different people are because there is so much information online customers today are able to go and research before they even come to fill out a form on your website. Right. Yeah. Well, I think it's a, it's a careful balance between just throwing a bunch of information at your ideal client and giving them the actual information that they can't get anywhere else, but from, right. So I, I think it's a very, it's a very fine line between the two. Yeah. Do you also see, you obviously want to put content out there that's going to be helpful for your audience, mm-hmm. but there's there's also the credibility and authority building side of creating content. Yeah. What are what are your thoughts on that? Okay, so I thought the words thought leadership is like the big overarching category for this type of content, right? Yeah. And I think that, that too, there's a balance between actual thought leadership that informs and educates and helps your audience in throwing your opinions into a blog post and calling it thought leadership, right? So a lot of companies, they they struggle to do thought leadership because it's not just throwing information out there. It's really taking a specific topic and carefully crafting your opinion and your process, creating your framework maybe if it's a topic that's that big, and then recreating that and producing it for your audience and having that aud- and having case studies and having places where it's been proven. Um, I, I think we say thought leadership and we tell, you know, we tell companies to produce their content as thought leadership. I don't think you can get to a place of creating thought leadership content unless you've been leading up to this point with relevant informative content already mm-hmm. so that could be like a video that's produced every week by your chief marketing officer right yeah. that could be a blog post that is posted on your website and then distributed to maybe different syndication channels by your ceo something like that and then you kind of evolve into thought leadership i don't think it just happens do you it seems to me too that with thought leadership it it can't it can't just be we're creating videos or we're creating blog posts. Mm-hmm. The the executives within the company also need to be present. They need to be present at exactly. you know events, um, yeah. you know association events. I mean, mm-hmm. wh- what whatever else it is, you, you have to be. It's a multi pronged approach, isn't it? Yes, that's true. Yeah, it's yeah. not it just is, one thing. It's not just one thing. It's not just one thing. That's very true. But also, like when you're going into these events, you're these people are actually on board with the strategy that you have put in place. That's where we get back to like the strategy. And yeah. Have we done enough informing and educating of our own internal teams to get them on board and to make sure that they are they're actually carrying out the right message and the right branding along with that? Um, to the audience that they're speaking to. So let's say that there you are talking to the C-suite and there are pe- your CEO or your chief marketing officer, or even your financial officer. Those people, they are talking to a specific level of people, right? Because their title carries with it some type of authority, right? Yeah. 
So you want them to be on board with what your overall plan is. Now, what they talk about might be more aligned to like their line of business or their line of work. But overall, you want the what they're saying to resonate with audiences that might not even be in that room. That's what I think true thought leadership is. It's being able to change the minds of like the general population of an audience and not just a very, very small focus. Got it. Now, you also you talk about this concept of content scoring. Mm -hmm. um, tell us a little more about that. Like, what is it and why is it is really important for for the future of content production and generating results from the content that we invest in? Yes. So content scoring in my book is a way to evaluate the performance of content. So when we think about creating content or creating net new content, right? Um, we're not just thinking about throwing content into a vacuum and just seeing what it spits up. We're thinking about, okay, we're going to produce this content. We know our target audience. We know that they, this content, there's a high percentage that this content would, res would resonate with. And then once this content is out there and we've distributed it, we know the distribution channels that it's going to go through. We are going to take a step back and actually evaluate the performance of this content. Did it actually accomplish the goal that we wanted it to accomplish? Did And whatever that goal is, if even the goal is to get 100 new likes on your LinkedIn profile, if that's the goal that you have set for your content, did it actually accomplish that? And if it did not, why? And that that kind of like gray area where you're asking questions and digging deep into the data and trying to find out, okay, what actually worked and what didn't work and what can we do better next time? It helps to eliminate wasting time, wasting energy, wasting money and wasting, you know, the, your team on efforts that don't really matter. Got it. So we, uh, we need to understand why we're creating certain pieces of content. Yeah that why is going to help dictate the, the metrics or the data mm -hmm. that we'd like to attach to that to determine whether it's performing. It, did I get that right? Yes. Yes, that's correct. So when you create, when you create and produce content, there should be some type of end result. Yeah. Like, like we should be aligning KPIs to the content that we produce. Right. So, Let's say that we are producing some type of long form content and the idea is to use it for sales enablement or lead generation, right? Okay, how many leads do we want to generate from this content? And do we reach that number in the next two weeks? Do we reach it in three weeks? Do we reach it in four weeks? And if we don't reach it, what, what was the reason? Like, yeah. why did we not reach it? Is it because the content isn't good? Is it because the content is off brand? Is it because it's not in the right voice? Is it because it's not even reaching the right audience? All of these things like come into play yeah. when you're doing the measurement. So that's what really content scoring is. Um, score Basically creating a chart and scoring your content accordingly. Are there any particular tools that uh, you like to use that help you track uh, your the performance of the content? Um, I think one good tool that um, we've used in the past is Market Muse. Um, Market Muse is, and I'm not getting paid by Market Muse to promote them in any way, um, but Market Muse is a tool that you can that, that you can use to evaluate your content in alignment with competitor topics, right? So let's say that you are writing about um, the importance of content marketing. 
And I'm sure that, there are thousands of other blogs and articles yeah. and websites that are talking about that same topic. But are you the most comprehensive? Do you give the most valuable information, the most relevant information? And does that allow you to rank or compete with your top three or top five competitors? Market Muse helps to evaluate that type of information. Do you guys use Google Analytics to track content as well? We do use Google Analytics um, for, for larger, I guess you would say for larger websites yeah. um, that are regularly producing content. If, if it's a smaller site in which they're not really producing content on a regular basis or they're just producing content on social media, then we'll use the social media evaluation tools. Like they, if social media, Instagram, Facebook, they do have reporting built in. And yeah. we'll use that to kind of measure, okay, did this post resonate with your audience? Did it not? Should maybe we be doing a video on this post if it got X amount of clicks or X amount of shares? Things yeah. like that to kind of keep the keep the funnel going, so to speak. Yeah, got it. So most important thing is we need to understand to content score effectively. We need to understand why we're doing, why we're creating the content, what our goals are, and that's going to dictate what metrics we choose to track. And exactly. that's how we're going to, we're, we're going to score. Yes, exactly. Okay. In our company, we have a, basically a red light, yellow light, green light system that we use where we have three, three uh, scoring metrics. So of course, green light is if the content did really well and it met the KPIs, the goals that we are wanting to uh, wanting to reach. And if it did, then we go and do the next step in terms of recommendations. Should we build out a full funnel based upon this content? Is there a email sequence around the corner on this content? Things like that. Okay. Yellow light is content that it met some of the KPIs, but didn't really meet all of them. We're not really happy with the results. That's where we go back to the original content piece maybe and look at, okay, that's where we start asking the questions. Why did not it work? Are we reaching the right audience really? Maybe we need to finesse that a little bit. Uh, maybe it's not the right piece of content, things like that. Okay. Red light is where we completely fit. It's a complete fail. You need a complete do over. <laughs> Crash and burn. <laughs> that exactly. Crash and burn. Sometimes you there are clients that can be relatively difficult and they are sold on the fact that like this piece of content is going to work and they've not tested it yet. So you put it out to the audience and it actually fails. That's where we go back and say, okay, audience development needs to happen. Market research needs to happen. We need to determine what your, what your audience actually wants, not what you want to sell them. Yeah. And then work backwards into that to create new content that actually matters to the audience. Because at the end of the day, you can create content all day long. If nobody watches it, if nobody reads it, if nobody cares, you're not going to sell and you're not going to make generate revenue, right? Yeah. So it's, there, it's a very strategic process. And sometimes people think it's a very lengthy, like unnecessary process, but it really isn't. Content is something that it really controls the world. Like people are continuously consuming content of yeah. all kinds. And the way you present yourself in, in terms of creating content, the way you present your brand, the way you present your product, like that's what they're going to remember you as. So it, it really does matter. Um, so we all have, a lot of us are in very competitive spaces. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if we're only focused on organic, I, for those we show up naturally. We're not paying to be there. Mm -hmm. um, what kinds of things would you share with people of like, how do I compete against larger 
competitors, you know, that maybe they have paid budgets. How do we, how do we compete? Um, for competition, this is what I always tell people. Consistency is what really matters. So if you find out that your competitors are showing up X amount of times a day, every day, you look at the content that they're producing and you're, and you're not producing that kind of content organically, that's where you want to start. It really does start with a heavy competitor analysis, which is real easy to do. If I were to go to google.com and incognito screen and type in any range of topics, I would see my top 10 competitors that are showing up for that topic. I would, I would see the volume. I would see the type of keywords that they're ranking for. And I can easily go to those websites and do a review of like, what type of content are they producing? How long is the content? Um, I can even look in a tool like SEMrush or Ahrefs and find out like how many people are coming to that piece of content in a given month or a given quarter. Yeah. Uh, I can do my own internal analysis and then I can look at what I'm creating or not creating and create a list of, okay, this is what I need to be doing. Um, this is what I'm not doing and I need to start. I don't see competitors doing this. So maybe this is something that I can experiment with. That's the 10 to 15% of testing and throwing things against the wall and seeing if it sticks. Um, the other 80%, 85% should be actual things that have proven themselves to work. Um, I personally always err on the side of organic. Um, I do limited paid media just because a lot of small to mid-sized businesses, they don't really have the budget to do a heavy paid media campaign, right? Yeah. And so you can throw $25, $50, $75 here and there on paid media, but it's not really going to get you a lot of the results that you want. Um, you typically need a larger budget. You typically need a more long-term budget months at yeah. a time to actually see some type of result. And that's why I will tell people focus on organic. If you're doing everything that you can do on organic, you should start to start seeing some results. Um, that's creating evergreen content making sure you have a proper email marketing sequence, you're sending out your newsletters every month, you're growing your social media following, like posting however, whatever your cadence is for posting, creating content that resonates with your audience on social media, making sure you're also on the right social media platforms. Um, I think a lot of times, especially in B2B, a lot of times we get caught up in like, okay, we need to have, be on every single platform that exists and your clients are not there, it does not matter, right? So yeah. if you are selling servers and you're trying to reach engineers and they don't exist on TikTok, your creating videos on TikTok is like totally irrelevant, right? Yeah. And then also just building like a, uh, building a community, um, building a community of loyal followers. That could be in a LinkedIn group or Facebook group. That could be on social media. That could just be people who always share your content, who refer, the, refer your product or service to other people. Um, there are a lot of organic ways to kind of do that. And then also link building, like focusing on making those connections with relevant magazines, relevant publications, things that are related to you, um, reaching out to peers like you and I are talking, we're both in the marketing space, right? Reaching yeah. out to peers and, you know, creating those connections and, and relationships. Um, and I, and that's, it feels like a lot of work, sometimes, especially if you're a small to mid-sized business. But again, it, once you create the strategy and you create the plan and you have, okay, Monday through Friday, I'm doing these three things to um, elevate my organic marketing. Over time, you'll start to see results. Yeah, we were talking a little bit before we went live that uh, like it's it's a lot of work. There There is no yeah. silver bullet. Um, mm -mm. Content, content takes time. Uh, 
and if you don't want to do it yourself, it's going to take money. Right. Um, so that's just the reality of it. And I love the fact that you just, you know, you've talked about consistency, right? We've got Mm -hmm. to, you can't create content and expect that two months from now it's, you know, everything's peaches and cream. It's just not how it works. Um, it's a long-term investment. It's a, it's, it's a long game. Um, but I think it's a game that uh, a lot of us should be playing in. So it's a game worth playing because Mm -hmm. that is where, that's where people are. People are consuming content every single day, right? It's just a matter of, are they consuming your content or not? (laughs) (laughs) Yours or your competitors? Someone's content. Are they consuming you or are they consuming someone else? Yeah. And, you know, I think a lot of times, a lot of clients are looking for a silver bullet. Like they're looking for the easy way to do things. They're looking for the fastest way to do things. And I think no shade to social media, but I think social media has messed up the idea of like this microwave type of consumption um, and type of results. And long-term results take time. Um, every every good thing takes time, right? So yeah. I think it's the patience and the consistency and having a plan and working that plan, right? It works if you work it. That's, yes. that's kind of like the thought process. So Danny, it's hard for us to... Uh... I can't end this conversation we're having unless we talk about chat GPT. Oh, right. Uh, like everybody's talking about it. So why not, why not you and I, um, you know, I think a lot of business owners see chat GPT as, Oh my gosh, I can like easily create all my content and I don't need to worry about paying somebody on my staff to do it or paying, mm-hmm. you know, an agency like yours to do it. What, what are you seeing with chat GPT right now. And obviously understanding that, you know, it's evolving very quickly. Yes, it is definitely evolving. What I do see with chat GPT right now, that is, that can be useful for marketing agencies and people who are trying to, you know, elevate their marketing work and even put into more efficiency and more productivity. It can definitely help from the content side on prompts. If you give it a keyword or a couple of words, it can give you prompts for writing new content. Um, It can actually write a first draft of content for you, which if you're pressed for time, having that initial copy can actually help you. Now, you can't go just publish what ChatGPC writes, right? It's a machine. It's not a human. So it does take some editing and finessing and making sure that it matches to your brand and tone. Um, But I think it can be useful in terms of like producing content. Like if you give it a prompt, even for social media, it can write social media captions. We've done some testing on that, too, uh, where we will give it like a prompt for social media or for an image that we're creating or a video and it will produce a a caption. Um, I think where the work still comes in is that it doesn't yet have a good handle on brand and tone and voice. And you can tell that a robot has written it or a very beginner entry level writer has written it. Right. And so that's where the, like a lot of the finessing of the content will come into play. I think as artificial intelligence continues to speed up um, and it's fed, the machines are fed more data. I do think that there is the opportunity for companies to include their brand voice and brand tone in feeding that as a data element into the, into the artificial intelligence machine. Yeah. Um, I think that could, is like a next level, probably a next level thought pattern that could yeah. happen. 
um, in the future. And but still, I don't I'm I, I don't err on the side of like it will totally eliminate writers. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think so Never. either. Um, but like you said, I think right now the biggest benefit is just efficiency, right? Mm -hmm. It can it can help do some of the initial work that needs initial to be done. Work. Yeah. And then you can come in and, and do your your fine tuning and tweaks, mm -hmm. um, but it can save a lot of time up front. Uh, the other thing that I find too with it is the the input determines the quality of the output, the right? So yeah. what you put in those prompts mm -hmm. um, is is really really important. Um, and I'm starting to see, and I haven't played with it enough, but there are people that are actually sharing their prompts right mm -hmm. so like i actually I, I saw a video the other day this guy had created a prompt to help create buyer personas and wow. yeah. um it's pretty cool um mm -hmm. you know again i there's gonna be some massaging that you have to do with that but gosh to think about like using a prompt like that and starting with a base mm -hmm. that you can then work from and fine tune uh man for some of us that that can save a significant amount, a significant of, time. amount of time. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I do think that it is a tool for efficiency. Um, like in the buyer persona example, if you're the, if you're a person that is willing to do like that type of work, but you just need like a foundation and you can then take it and run with it. I think that ChatGPT is like going to eliminate a lot of the entry level research, entry level content development type of roles. And it's yeah. going to allow human beings to do that next level thinking and next level creation, next level yeah. production, right? I do think that it serves as that type of foundation. Um, and if, 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 as long as you're not lazy and you're able to take that information and like then build upon it, yeah. I think it can, it could help you to like create some good content and, and be able to create content that you can repurpose as well. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Um, this has been a great conversation, Danny. Any last minute uh, thoughts you want to leave us with today? Um, content is hard. <laughs> it's not easy. Um, but I will say that consistency does make a difference. And the person with that creates the most relevant and informative information is the person that wins in the end, right? That's the company that wins. That's the brand that wins. And that's the company that and brand that will stay memorable for readers and for people and yeah. for audiences in the future. So be patient, get a strategy in place, know your audience and be consistent with it. Um, I think that's what I would say. Speaking my language, Danny, <laughs> uh, where can people learn more about you? So, yes, you can visit our agency website. Um, it's dwcreativeconsultingagency.com. Um, you can find out more about our services there. Um, you can also connect with us on Facebook and Instagram um, and LinkedIn as well. And then I also have a podcast that focuses on digital marketing for small to mid-sized businesses. And you can um, go to that website, download and subscribe to that podcast as well. It's called hashtagsandhabits.com. Cool. With, for those of you that are uh, listening, we'll make sure that that stuff gets in the show notes. Um, but dwcreativeconsultingagency.com. You can also check out hashtagsandhabits.com. Danny, thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. I have enjoyed the conversation. And, uh, thank you, Tim. This was awesome. I know the folks that are, that are watching or listening uh, have as well. Um, those of you that are watching and listening, thank you. I appreciate you. 
Um, we've been talking a lot. Of, we've been talking about content marketing. To me, content marketing falls a lot heavily into that lead generation side of things. Lead gen is one of the nine revenue roadblocks that we help clients remove. If you want to find out which roadblocks are slowing down your growth, you can find out over at revenueroadblockscorecard.com. You can also always connect with us over at our website at rialtomarketing.com. So thank you uh, again. Till next time. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Hashtags and Habits. If you want to learn more about digital marketing strategies specific to your business, let's discuss. You'll find our website and email address, as well as any resources I've noted in this episode in the show notes. We also want to hear your questions. So DM us on any of the social platforms at hashtags and habits everywhere. If you like what you hear and want to hear more, subscribe to our podcast, subscribe to our newsletter at hashtagsandhabits.com or leave us a review on any of the podcast platforms. I'd greatly appreciate it. Until next time, remember that marketing is not easy, but it can be simple.